Matthew chapter 4. We are in a series through the book of Matthew. If you're new with us here at Three Crosses, we have three services on the weekends, and Pastor Larry leads in the morning services, and I teach here in the Sunday night services. Some people come on in and they find 613, and then they say, okay, you know what? I'm getting connected in worship. God's transforming my life. I need to find some community here. And they go on our website, and they see that we have a ton of communities for folks of all ages in the mornings. And so people start going in the morning and hearing Larry preach in the morning and then going to Home Builders, which is our class for families, or Kaleo, which is our class for young families, things like that. So you're welcome to kind of bounce around, find a service that fits for you because what we want to see you do is not just be here, but what we want to see is you starting to connect not only here in the worship service at family dinner, but also in community and eventually in service. Um, like Larry said, if you, if you want to give a gift to the Barnabas and Partners uh, ministry, we've got those black boxes out in the lobby. You can even drop that in there on your way out tonight with your normal offerings. But we are in Matthew chapter 4. Last week we talked about Jesus' baptism, and now all of a sudden the devil shows up. And we'll read together Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the high, holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, don't put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Let's pray together as we dive in. Father, tonight some of us need angels to attend to us. We feel like we've been beaten up by temptation, whether we fell into it or came out victorious. And now on the other side, we are tired because temptation is common to all of us and it beats us up and, and we thank you that in your grace you bring us through it and you mend us together. We, we thank you for Jesus, the one who withstood temptation and did not fall so that when we're tempted and do fall, his righteousness is applied to us and we aren't judged for our sin. We pray that you would give us the faith to stand firm when Satan comes and tries to attack us and you would give us the discernment, the wisdom to know when something doesn't seem right so that we might run away from it if it is temptation and that we would trust you, that we would hide our, your word in our hearts so that we might not sin against you and so that we might stand firm against the devil's scheme and watch him run away when he cannot succeed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have been tempted? Okay, very good. I thought so. Not so. Do you ever feel like when you're tempted, sometimes God is messing with you? You ever had like one of those experiences where it's like you decide, you know what, starting, starting right now, I, I'm going to eat healthy, right? 
I'm just going to do it. Like, I feel like I, I've been out of control and my whole life's out of control. And, and that's a little minor thing that I can start with that's going to kind of take root and kind of help me make some progress. And so you come before the Lord and say, God, okay, hold me accountable to this, God. Starting now, I'm eating healthy. And then, bloop, you get a text. And it's like a buddy who says, like, hey, we're going to the Cheesecake Factory. You want to come? And you like, look up and you're like, God, I, I honestly didn't tell anyone except for you about this. Like, what are you doing here, you know? You decide, you know what, I'm giving up this bad habit, right? I'm giving up smoking, I'm giving up drinking, or I'm giving up gambling, whatever it is, right? I'm giving this thing up, right? And then, bloop, hey, you want to go out tonight? Right? You decide, you know what, I, I'm done dating. Like, I need to just make a covenant with the Lord. I keep making all these dumb decisions in my dating life. I just need to be single for a while, right? I'm just going to go to this party tonight and not meet anybody, right? And then you walk up to the party, and all of a sudden, this beautiful man or this beautiful woman comes up to you and says, I would like to be your boy or girlfriend, right? <laughs> James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote a book in the New Testament, and one of the things that he said before anything else was, when you're tempted, don't say God is tempting me, because God can't be tempted by evil, and God doesn't tempt anybody. But sometimes it feels like God is the one tempting us. Even in Matthew chapter 4, the first verse here, there's a suspicious feeling that God is sending Jesus into a trap. Did you see that? It says in, in verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Can you imagine if God wrote that sentence about you? Then Danny was sent to a party to be tempted by the devil. That's a big deal. Say, so I kind of wonder, did Jesus know that the devil was going to be waiting for him in the wilderness? Because when you kind of see what Jesus was doing, he, he wasn't going to be tempted. You know, like the Bible says we should flee from temptation. The Bible says that when Satan comes, you, you shouldn't say, hey, let's go hang out and dance for a little bit, right? You should kind of stand firm or get out of there, right? And yet Jesus is walking headlong into temptation, but where Jesus is going is not like, okay, where's Satan? I want to talk to him. Jesus is going into the wilderness for this 40-day solitude and fasting and prayer retreat. He's going into this time of spiritual nurturing, this time of spending with the Lord and seeking the future and kind of thinking about getting his ministry started. And in all of that, the devil's just like standing there and coming to Jesus and saying, Hey, while you're here, let's have a chat. Have you ever had a time where God has called you to do something good and then you meet Satan there? Not actual Satan, right? There's only one Satan. He's not meeting all of us. But God calls you to go on a missions trip and all of a sudden, boom, you get all this spiritual like warfare stuff going, right? God calls you, hey, wake up tomorrow morning and, and read the Bible. And then all of a sudden your alarm clock breaks, right? Or God says, hey, I want you to share your faith with your neighbor. And you're trying to get there and all these people keep accosting and you can't do it. Or you get scared and you got this temptation, right? Or God says, listen, I, I want you to step it up in your purity with your sexuality. And so you start to go after it, but it just gets harder and harder and harder to stand fast in the truth. And it seems like when we try to make traction with God and do good things, evil's right there waiting for us. And Jesus is going into the desert to do good things, and Satan takes the opportunity to kind of slide on in and have a conversation with him and try to derail him. And we know that temptation is part of God's plan in some weird way. That God allows it, you know. If Satan was going to destroy Jesus, God could have stopped it, right? God could have said, no, 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 Satan, that's my kid out there, right? But God lets Jesus go into this desert and, and meet temptation there. And Satan comes to him and starts walking along with him while he's spending time with the Lord. 
saying things like, if you are the son of God, Jesus, um, I know you just had this great thing where you were baptized and the father looked down from heaven and said, this is my son. I love him. I'm well pleased with him. If you're truly the son of the God most high, if you're truly the son of the king, if you're truly that powerful, if you're truly God in human form, Jesus, and you've been out here for 40 days and you're hungry, why don't you make some food? Why are you torturing yourself? Aren't you the son of God? Aren't you one who could do anything? Why are you suffering like a human being? That's beneath you, Jesus. If you're the son of God, tell these rocks to turn into bread and then eat them. And we read that temptation and we think, okay, I've never been tempted in that way. I've never been out and been so hungry and thought, oh, you know what? I'm just going to turn this park bench into a sandwich, you know? And it's like, no, God, no, I can't do that. I'm going to flee from that temptation. Like, that's not, I've never been, Paul's been tempted like that. I've never been tempted that way. And Paul's crazy. That's the difference between Paul. Right? Jesus is tempted in a way that only Jesus could be tempted. And yet Jesus is tempted in a way that's very similar to the way that we're te tempted so often. Satan meets him at this really low place, the desert, and he hits him right in this really base part of his existence in, in his hunger, in his stomach. You notice that a lot of our temptation has to do with our stomach? Have you ever been fasting before? You're tempted to just quit? So what am I doing? Why am I fasting? Who thought of this fasting thing? Anyway, it's not working. I'm just getting angry all the day. There's something about our, kind of like our animalistic in, like, urges that we have that Satan can come alongside and grab them and use them for evil. Right? And, and eating while you're fasting doesn't seem evil. But when you think about the temptations that we tend to face, especially when we first walk in to the Christian life and starting to figure this whole thing out, a lot of them have to do with just like our gut, right? Like what we want to do. Like we used to be able to just punch someone in the face if they made us mad. And now we're a Christian, right? And Jesus says, don't, don't be like that. Don't stop punching people in the face. If somebody hits you, turn the other cheek, right? And, and so this person is just in your face, and they're making you so mad, and you feel like the devil's on one shoulder, right? And an angel's on the other shoulder, and the devil's saying, just punch him in the face, just punch him in the face, right? And there's this temptation to do what your body wants to do, and it's like you can't hold it in. There's a lot of temptations like that. The Bible talks about the lusts of the flesh, that our, our bodies want to do things like these carnal things, whether it's a sexual thing, or it's a hunger thing, or it's an anger thing, or it's a drinking thing, or it's a rage thing, or it's a malice thing, or it's a gossip thing, or it's a being sneaky thing. Our body wants to like drag us into these things, and we feel like animals sometimes because it's really hard to control our own bodies. Is that weird? Doesn't it seem like if you don't want to eat a cheeseburger, you could just not eat the cheeseburger? Doesn't it seem like we should be, like, better than that? Doesn't it seem like if you decide, I don't want to look at porn anymore, you should just not do it because it's bad for you? Doesn't it seem like if you decide, you know what, I don't want to do drugs anymore, you could just stop? Doesn't it seem like it would be that easy? And yet there's something inside of us that just wants these things. And James says, it's not God tempting you. That each one is enticed when kind of this lust of the flesh gets activated. And what we see in, in Jesus' life here is that Satan himself comes alongside Jesus and starts whispering in his ears and saying, hey, I know you're hungry. Eat something. And this is a tactic that Satan has been using since the very beginning. Remember the first temptation? I think it went something like this. Eat something. 
could God really say you couldn't eat from any of these trees in the garden? And the woman says, oh, no, he didn't say that. He just said I couldn't eat from that tree because I'll die. And Satan says, you're not going to die if you eat fruit? Who told you that? And God just doesn't want you to be like him. Just do it. And those moments when we're struggling because our body wants to do something that we know is wrong, it's like there's a voice in our ear telling us all sorts of crazy things. If you really are a child of God, won't he forgive you afterwards? Fasting is not like alcoholism. You can just eat the cheeseburger. No one's going to know if you do this. Why do you think this is such a big deal? Why are you killing yourself? Why are you beating yourself up over it, right? And, and it's like, it really does feel like you got the devil and the angel thing going on where there, there's someone telling you these things that you know are lies, but you want to believe them. You want to believe that you're not going to feel bad in the morning if you do that thing. You're going to want to believe that it's no big deal to go after this thing that your body wants to do. You want to believe it. You know it's not true, but you convince yourself to believe it. And so you rationalize. You say, okay, and you do it, and then you feel terrible, and oftentimes in those moments, the voice of deception in one ear, we have the voice of God in the other ear, who's reminding us things from his word. I say, no, 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 not even a hint of sexual immorality. No, 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 don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. No, 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 keep the vows you've made to the Lord, no, 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 right? And you hear the Bible over here, and you hear the devil over here, and you got to choose. And Jesus kicks it back to Satan and says, listen, you can lie in this ear, but the Bible says that man doesn't live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Which in doing that, it kind of kicks Satan in the rear end in terms of the temptation itself. That No, I don't need bread. My, my, my food is God's word. My food is God's will. My food is what's from the Lord. It's not food even though I'm human and now I need to eat to survive for the first time in eternity. I don't need food. I need the Lord, right? I need him. And, and so it kind of kicks Satan in that direction, but it also sets Jesus up in the sense of saying, Satan, when you come at me with your lies, I'm going to come at you with God's truth. And one of the best tactics that if you want to tackle any kind of temptation, it's not going to fix it. It's still going to be hard. Is if you can see in the scriptures of God where your temptation is related and you put it in your heart, then it will become available when the temptation comes. And David, the King David in the Old Testament wrote a psalm, and in that psalm he said, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. <laughs> that sometimes there's going to be an attack that blindsides us and, and our heart's kind of like a sheath that we have to pull the sword of the spirit out of and say, no, 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 I, I know the truth and I'm not going to do that thing. It's easier said than done. But it's easier done when you know what God said. I had the word in our hearts and Jesus uses the word to come after Satan and all of these different temptations. So Satan kind of takes Jesus up and takes them higher in elevation, right? Higher in elevation of temptation, higher in elevation and just literal elevation. And now Jesus is at the pinnacle of the temple where all these people are coming to worship. And as Jesus looks down upon all these people, that Satan, Satan speaks into Jesus' ears and he says, if you are the son of God, hurl yourself off of this 300-foot drop. Because, hey, if you're the word of God guy, the word of God says he'll command his angels to protect you and you're not going to hurt your foot against a stone. 
And I think one thing we need to remember when we think of the temptations of Jesus Christ, and this is important, you can write this down, temptations are tempting. Temptations are tempting. That's rocket science, right? Temptations are tempting. My whole life I've read this passage, and I could not be able to figure out why this temptation would be tempting. I can see why Jesus would be tempted to eat after not eating for 40 days, but I couldn't see why Jesus would be tempted to hurl himself off the side of a building. Because it's not a sin to be tempted, right? It's just a sin to do the thing we're tempted to do. And, and if Jesus was truly tempted in this instance, Jesus was thinking about hurling himself off a building. I thought, is Jesus suicidal here? Like, is he just having a hard time in the desert? Are you thinking about killing himself? Like, no, right? Because the temptation is, if you do it, you won't die. What's he tempted to do? There was an ancient tradition that held that when the Messiah came, the one who was called the Christ, that he would come into the city of God and he would go onto the temple of God and he would stand at the pinnacle of the temple of God and he'd hurl himself off of the pinnacle of the temple of God in front of all the people and on his way down, angels would grab him and he'd be like... And just land at the end. It's like jumping off of the crosses or something. But it's, you know, jumping really high off a building and just floating to the ground. And in that doing that, all the people would know, this is the guy. This is the Messiah. This is the one. And one thing that I think is so, like, dastardly about Satan in this passage is Satan is trying to take the word of God, that Jesus is the Messiah, and kind of mix it with the traditions of the people that the Messiah will hurl himself off a building, which the Bible doesn't say that, but the people believe that, and kind of mix those together to try to tempt Jesus and say, Jesus, the people are expecting a Messiah who can fly. Fly. Right? That's what they want. Jesus, if you don't do it, they're not going to know you're the Messiah. And Jesus, if you keep walking this way kind of quietly, the people are, they're not going to believe in you. Have you ever read through the New Testament, read through the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, and thought, why didn't Jesus prove himself more? And I've thought that before. Like, if I was the Messiah, which I'm not, I'm not the Messiah, it's not the kind of church you should go to. If I was the Messiah, I would think, I'm going to fly, right? Because all these people keep like, oh, do I believe in Jesus? Do I not believe in Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus? If, I, if Jesus was like, flying around the Sea of Galilee, right? I feel like the people would be like, okay, yeah, he is the Messiah. That's the guy, right? And that's what they're expecting. Messiah who would show up with these miracles. It's like, whoa, he's unmistakably from God. And Jesus wanted the people to believe him. That's why he came. And yet in this temptation, Satan kind of twists reality with logic, with tradition, with the Bible and all these different things and tries to convince Jesus to throw himself off a building. And Jesus says, no, no, no. And the scriptures say, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Have you notice that in the midst of these temptations, it's almost like Satan's trying to take over? You know, the first verse of this chapter is that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness, and now all of a sudden, now we've got Satan taking Jesus everywhere. Satan comes to Jesus in the desert and then he takes him onto a building. Then he takes him up onto a mountain and it's like Satan's kind of take Jesus along. And it seems like what's starting to build here is this conflict between the spirit of God and the Satan of not God, right? 
the spirit of God that's trying to tell Jesus to follow the Lord and to live with the Lord and to cling fast to the truth and Satan who's trying to lie and deceive and cheat Jesus. And this tug of war is starting where the spirit is leading Jesus and Satan's taking Jesus. A lot of times when we think about meeting Satan or something or meeting spiritual temptation, we kind of get this picture that we'll be like walking along the spiritual road of life. Like, all right, I'm doing good. I had my quiet time today, right? And you're walking down the road and all of a sudden Satan comes out like, rah, go the other way. Like, oh, yes, Satan, I'll go the other way, right? Like, no, I'm not going to do that today. But that's not what Satan does. In this passage, what Satan does is he comes alongside Jesus as he walks through these temptations and he starts trying to like take him off on another way. Have you ever had someone try to do that to you? And they come alongside you on the side of the road and he grab, they grab you like, who is this person, right? They start to try to take you into this like van or something. Whoa, what are you trying to do? If that happens to you, call the police. That's, that's a little intense. That's too intense. You know those people like those street vendors who are trying to sell or like in the mall? You walk through the mall, Right? And all of a sudden, this person comes up like, hey, can I talk to you real quick? You're like, sure. And all of a sudden, they're right next to you. Then, like, you find yourself in this little booth, and they're putting lotion on your hands? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Dead sea lotion. Like, what is this? How did I get in this booth? What if my wife comes out, and this woman's rubbing my hand? Eh? I did not consent to this. <laughs> Satan's like the mall guy, right? <laughs> For real. Now, don't ju- if you're a mall person, like, that's your job. We get that. You're not Satan. That's like, oh, no. But Satan isn't out there trying to scare Jesus and make him run the other direction. He's trying to come up, like sidle right alongside Jesus and kind of scoot him off the path. That's what he does to us. Satan gives us these things that sound good to us. Oh, yeah, that makes logical sense. I can see how that's true. Have you ever had, like, one of those weird cult people come to your house? Like those, like, mother, what is it, God the mother people? Those people came to your house? And they're bringing all these scriptures about how God's a woman and all this, and you're thinking, like, I don't think God has gender. I don't know why this is such a big deal, right? And you're like, what are you trying to do to me? And they're like, well, read this, read this. You're like, where are we going, right? And, and that's what people do. You know, if somebody came to you and said, hey, uh, I'm, the, I'm the first king of the Satan worshipers club, you'd be like, no, thank you, you know? <laughs> but if somebody said, hey, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian too, you want to read the Bible? I found something interesting. You'd be like, oh, sure, sounds good to me. And then all of a sudden now you're weird, right? <laughs> Not like weird in the classic sense. Like you're off in some weird culture. Like that, that's what happens is that Satan kind of sneaks in and sidles up and scoots you over, you know. I always thought it would be not fun, like a terrible thing to do. But on the road, if like, you know, with road rage, people come and they're driving all crazy. And I always thought it would be fun to get like a pack of friends together. And like go find someone who's a really crazy driver and like surround them with Suburbans and then slow down and pull over, you know. <laughs> and that's what Satan's doing. He's trying to just come alongside Jesus and make him do something crazy. So at the end of the day, he's off the track. And, and even though Jesus' temptation is not going to be the same as yours, you're probably not going to be tempted to jump off a building for the same reasons as Jesus. You're probably not going to be tempted to turn rocks into food, right? You're, you're probably not going to be tempted to have the kingdoms of the world given to you. That's not how it works. You're going to be tempted in the same way. That Satan's going to come up alongside of you and either deal with kind of your stomach, right, and the gut in you, or he's going to try to deal with something that kind of confuses you, or he's going to try to push you off the road and get you to a place that you used to be led by the Spirit of God, and all of a sudden you don't know what happened, but you're being taken all over the place by Satan. And so this all comes to the head at this top of this mountain. Kind of Satan and Jesus are kind of bouncing up all around the desert at the top of the mountain now, and Jesus is looking upon all of the kingdoms of the world that he can see. 
And Satan turns to Jesus and says, I'll give you all of this if you worship me. That's a crazy temptation. Another one of those that you say, why was that tempting? If anyone ever asks you, hey, was, Satan, was Jesus ever tempted to worship Satan? You can say, yes. Jesus was tempted to become a devil worshiper. He didn't do it, but he was tempted. As he looks upon the world and he sees the people and sees the kingdoms and sees the cities and, and sees the future that the big thing between him and his kingdom is his suffering and his death. And Jesus has this choice to make. Am I going to be crucified and judged and die and beaten and then rise again and build my kingdom someday? Or am I going to have my kingdom now? And Satan is referred to by Bible authors as the kingdom of, as the king, the ruler of this world right now. That Satan is kind of doing around, doing his bidding with the world right now. And Jesus sees from the pinnacle of this temple, that, or the pinnacle of this mountain, that Satan is trying to destroy this world. It must have been tempting for Jesus to say, let's just end this now. Let's, let me be the king now. If all I have to do is just worship Satan for a second, and then I can have my people, and they will stop suffering, and I don't have to die for it, and all those kinds of things, and I can shortcut my way right to it, then... Maybe I should just do what he wants. Have you ever been in a moment where you just think, well, maybe I should just do it and get it over with? And someone's pressuring you to do something you don't want to do, and you think, maybe if I just do it once, they'll get off my back. I've got to do it once. Stop hounding me. And you know that's a bad decision, right? You know that they're not going to stop hounding you, but you think, well, maybe they will. And Jesus had that temptation in, in the sense of the kingdoms of this world, and and he turns to Satan and says, go. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him only. Serve him only. If you want to remember one thing about temptation, it's that verse, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When you're tempted to do something dumb, no, serve God only. When you're tempted to kind of take a shortcut and doesn't, not technically wrong, and just, just worship God and serve him only. Are you tempted to bail on the whole thing? So you know what, maybe I should just walk away from this. This isn't working. Find another religion, find another God, or maybe I can just do my thing for a while, then come back. I know he'll accept me again, right? Now worship the Lord and serve him only. Only. Not God and money, not God and Satan, not God and yourself, not God and your pleasures, not God and anything else. Serve him only. And when Jesus says that, Satan disappears for a while. I think a lot of times we get this idea that if we just give in, maybe the temptation will disappear, you know? You're up late one night, you want to do something, you know it's wrong. I'll just do it and then it'll be over with. But it's not over with, is it? You wake up in the morning, you feel terrible. It's like you have a sin hangover or something. You can't stop thinking about it. You feel guilty. You feel worthless. You feel used. You feel like, what am I doing? You feel like, how long is it going to take to get back on track again? And it's easy to feel like in those moments in the morning that it's like God punishing us for the stupid thing you did last night. I don't think that's true. I think the next morning what's happening is Satan's still there just kicking you in the face while you're lying on the ground. 
Because we think that if we just do the thing, he's going to leave. No, no, no. If you do the thing, he's going to stay. If you don't do the thing, he's gone. It's hard, but he's gone. Because when you sin, God comes to you and, and he forgives you. And Jesus died so that you might have freedom. When you come before the Lord and say, God, I'm so sorry for what I did last night. God says, Jesus paid for that. You're forgiven. Get up, get up, get up. But you can't get up because you got Satan with his foot on your head saying, stay down, you're worthless. Stay down, you don't deserve to get up. Stay down, you're a hypocrite if you come to church after what you did last night. Stay down, right? That's not God saying that. That's Satan, Satan abiding with you until you say, no, I'm done. I'm going to listen to him starting now. I worship the Lord. I serve him only. And God says I'm forgiven. And God says I can get up again. God says I can come back to church. God says that I'm, I am new because of him. God says that he has forgiven me of everything. God's, God says this. God, God, God says, God says, Satan is wrong. <coughs> the Bible says that if we sin, we give Satan a foothold. So he puts his foot on our neck or something, or he's trying to climb us, you know. And Jesus resists Satan and he flees. The Apostle Peter said that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that brothers around the world are enduring the same kinds of suffering. <laughs> that's one of the things that's beautiful about hearing stories of worshipers of Jesus in China or in Thailand or Cambodia, everywhere, is that this stuff is common to all of us. We're all tempted. We've all got an enemy who's trying to derail us. We've all got suffering that befalls us. We've all got adversaries that try to take us and, and yet we all have the Holy Spirit of God who can empower us to resist. And you resist the devil by, by coming back with the word of God. When you resist the devil by saying, I, I'm not going to do that. When you resist the devil by saying, I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. When you resist the devil, he flees. Don't believe the lie that He's just going to keep hounding you till you do it. He's just going to hound you until he stops and then he's gone. And don't believe the lie that if you're walking with the Lord, you're not going to be tempted. Because when Jesus followed the Lord into the desert to do something good, the Satan was like, whoop, that's what I'm here for. So don't be surprised when temptation comes. Don't be thrown off when you feel like, wait, am I going the wrong way? No, no, no. If you're being tempted, maybe you're doing something dumb. But when you're being tempted, maybe you're going the right way. Just there's someone who doesn't want you to go that way anymore. Resist him. Resist him. And when you don't resist him, look to the one who did. Look to the one who did resist temptation and stand firm in his faith and walk in purity and then die for the times that you didn't. And receive his forgiveness and get back up and resist the devil and watch him walk away. And tonight as we take communion, that's a beautiful time to remember that your sins are forgiven. Now, maybe you did something stupid on your way here tonight. You're thinking, oh, I'm just a mess. Come forward and remember. You don't have to, it's not doing something that forgives you. It's remembering that you are forgiven because of Jesus.
If tonight you're not a believer in Jesus and you feel like, man, I'm just a, a terrible person. I've got my sins weighing on me. I, Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins. Come before him and say, Jesus, forgive my sins. Give me new life. I believe that you are the one who overcame and I want to be with you. And he will. And then come forward and receive communion and eat this and realize that it's because of him that you're saved, not because of you. Let me pray for us, then let's take communion together. And then let's go out and resist temptation. Let's pray.